This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show. We were thinking that over this upcoming long weekend, you might have time to watch some movies. And so we have had the pleasure of having with us a number of times Larry Hott, Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hott, who has a regular segment with us, as you know, Cool Films with Larry Hott. And we have him back today because, well, we have a long weekend coming up and lounging around and watching some films would be a great activity. And we love your recommendations, Larry, so thank you very much. Oh, before we ask you about what you have for us today, I want to congratulate you. I know that coming up in June, we will have the premiere in Northampton of your new film, which will be broadcast nationally on PBS, titled The Niagara Movement, The Early Battle for Civil Rights. So congratulations on your upcoming film. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, it's uh, about a year in the process of making this film which is short for me. My films usually average five to eight years, but all the money was in hand right from the get-go. And this is a very important film, and it's very timely. It's about the battle for the soul of the civil rights movement at the turn of the last century, uh, essentially a fight between W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington with uh, William Monroe Trotter thrown in. And the uh, Niagara movement was the precursor to the NAACP, all of this was going on about 1995 to 1905, and everything that was happening then. 1895? 1895 to 1905, um, But you'll see in the film, there's a lot, quite a bit of footage, present-day footage of uh, civil rights marches, Black Lives Matter marches, and how do we connect the past to the present? That's what happens in the film. I don't know if I'm giving it away. You can, you can decline, uh, you know, invoke whatever privilege it is to not answer, but... As I understand it, there are some local luminaries who appear in the film. Oh, yeah. Amilcar Shabazz is in the film. Uh, Whitney Battle Baptiste is in the film. Um, Alden Morris, who used to be uh, teaching here at UMass, is uh, now in Chicago. Uh, luminaries in the black uh, history movement are in the film, and they are fantastic, wonderful speakers. Um, the film, uh, I think, uh, as, as the producer and director, I can say, uh, with all modesty, is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know Larry Hot gives Larry Hot five stars. You heard it here first. Breaking news here on it, WHMP. It's exciting. It moves right along, and we have um, a great uh, black composer who did the music, the score for the film, uh, a wonderful animator, uh, named Ahmed Sethi, who um, makes the film come alive. Because, as you can imagine, using images from the 1890s, early uh, 1900s, it's really hard to just look at it all photographs. Not that many motion pictures. So you really need to animate them, you know, use good graphics illustration. Uh, and it's a, it's a very fast one-hour film. About That's history. interesting. The, you have photographs from the turn of the previous century, Yes. Still photos, but I guess I don't know this. When did motion pictures begin? When did we first? Well, let's first? have a little lesson. That's a little yes, history. Yes. <laughs> Remedi remedial lesson by Larry <laughs> yeah. Hot you know, for Bill Newman. When I when I teach, particularly at the college level, and I ask students, uh, you know, when was the first photograph? When was the first motion picture? Clueless. They also don't know when World War One or World War Two is. <laughs> and the hardest thing is when you ask them, you know, when was the War of eighteen twelve? You still get a blank. <laughs> <laughs> Motion pictures really begin around 1893, uh, and they're both here in France, and uh, I mean both in France and here. Uh, Edison is usually credited, but he's not the only person. Um, and photographs really go back to about 1839. Um, so finding decent photographs really only starts a little bit after the 1840s. And motion picture that you can look at and use is maybe the end of the uh, 1890s. There is footage in our film, for example, of the Tuskegee Institute, which Booker T. Washington made famous. Uh, it was so famous that filmmakers came and, it's, uh, and documented what was going on there, the actual building of the school, which would, uh, that footage is from the 1920s, even though he built the school back in the, in the 1880s. Um, he was an icon, uh, the most famous a black American at the time. This is after Frederick Douglass dies, Pick, Booker T. Washington picks up the mantle. Uh, but he, he gets in a lot of trouble for his statements, the com accommodationist statements he makes to the white nationalists, the, the Ku Klux Klan. So he's saying he kind of believes in separation and that the black people should uh, be, become he, he tradespeople. And, and, and stay in their place. That, 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 right. that was, that was right. the rap right. against him. At a time when there were lynchings every single day, and W.E.B. Du Bois, who originally went along with Booker T. Washington, uh, starts to say, hey, this is not right. 
we can't abide this. You cannot say that we just have to take a back seat and be quiet when we're being killed on the streets of our own cities every single day. So the film is The Niagara Movement. It'll be on PBS uh, in 2023, don't know the date yet. We, I mean, we literally just, in fact, just yesterday, I shipped off the final film, the film in the can, the proverbial can. It's no longer in a can. In fact, <laughs> I, I took the hard drive, which is about two inches square, and sent it off to the station. And I was thinking at the time, back in the 80s, 1980s, 1990s, early 2000s, when we made films, the, not, the amount of material that is on that hard drive would have filled two or three giant rooms, floor to ceiling with all the material, and now it's in a two-inch hard drive. That's a miracle. That's a miracle, Bill, I have to tell you. That's all really interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. I'm glad I haven't bored you yet. But I want to tell you about another film that, uh, you know, I'm watching the films on the short list for the Academy Awards. Because you're one of the members of the Academy of Motion Picture. Arts and Sciences. Arts and Sciences. Ampus. And there are, I found out the other day, I thought there were only a couple hundred documentary filmmakers in it, but there's 660 of us in the uh, Academy. I don't know how many are actually signed up to vote. I think at least half of those, maybe maybe more. And we get assigned films every year, and there's a long process. We keep voting and voting and voting. And right now we're at the stage where we have... This is voting for which film is going to win or which Which film is going to get nominated. Nominated for which the Academy film, Awards. Right. It eventually gets up to the nominations. Once we have the nominations, then the entire membership can vote. Uh, so I, there are now 15 finalists, shortlist for the long-form documentary and 15 for the short-form. That also goes on for the international films and animation and things like that. And I'm eligible to vote for anything that I have actually seen, and you have to sign a document and tell you. that you Actually, you can see online now that you whether you watch the films or not. <laughs> They're watching me. So... I've, uh, been it's a little weird that the movie uh, industry is uh, surveilling you, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I see the film elsewhere, I'm supposed to mark it as watched. Can I see. That? Okay. But, but I want to talk about one particular sure. film today, uh, which has a wonderful title. It's called Bad Axe, A-X-E. And I just realized, looking at it, that the A-X-E can also be pronounced A-C-T-S, as in Bad Axe. Uh, but bad, what is Bad Axe? Bad Axe is a town... Uh, probably a little smaller than Northampton, in Michigan, not too far from Ann Arbor. And in this town is a restaurant called Rachel's. And Rachel's is owned by a woman named Rachel <laughs> and her husband, Chun. Uh, he is from Cambodia, a survivor of the killing fields. She is a Mexican-American, and they have a passel of children, and they run this kind of high-end restaurant in a town uh, that with the film takes place starting in 2020 when the pandemic starts and Trump is in office. And, and the town is where? The town is in Michigan. Michigan, as you know, has a lot of militia, a lot of actual declared Nazis. And the theme of this film is how does an immigrant family running a, a restaurant in a town where they don't agree with the local politics, how do they survive? So, if, if so we, this town yeah. is one of the right-wing dominated, politically dominated One of the things areas. you see in the, in the film, a lot of Trump signs and a lot of Trump supporters, a lot of pickup trunks with Trump signs waving. And the child, one of the children of this family, David, David Siv, S-I-E-V, is a filmmaker living in New York. During the pandemic, needs to get out of the city, comes back, stay with his family, and he decides, hey, there's a film here. If we hear a clip from this, you'll get a sense of what this storyline is, and why this film is getting a lot of buzz, because this is a real contender for the Oscar. Go to the camera like this. Yeah, just talk about them. Here's a picture of our baby at the time, David. April 17, 1975, when everything changed in Cambodia. My mom survived with six children, make our way to Michigan. When we first came to Bad Axe and opened up a donut shop, we didn't exactly fit in. We live in a community that's 97% white. In a town with less than 4,000 residents, it's not easy making a living off of donuts. So eventually, we decided to change it into a restaurant. It felt like building the American dream. And our whole lives just changed, shut down. 
This is a global pandemic. Increasing numbers of cases and deaths here in Michigan. Bars, restaurants, coffee shops, all ordered by Governor Whitmer to stop normal business. When you grow up knowing what it's like to have nothing, you're always afraid of going back to that point. After leaving Cambodia for everything America has to offer, everything we were afraid of is happening. It's a hard time. Everything we were afraid of was happening. What is happening? Well, the kids in the family who are helping run the restaurant, they're in their 20s, they decide to attend a Black Lives Matter protest. The filmmaker, who's making this film about his family, films this, and then he puts it up on YouTube as a fundraiser for the film. So the film... Anyone think that's a bad idea? (laughs) Well, his family gets really upset. They say, wait a second, we're running the restaurant. We're trying to stay neutral, at least in appearance in this town, and now we've just told everybody that we are Biden supporters, that we are, don't agree with the, our, our neighbors, and what do you think is going to happen? So what I, as a filmmaker, what I'm observing is here's a, a young filmmaker who is fundraising for the very film that we're watching. Then you're seeing a clip of the fundraising on YouTube. This is really folding in on itself. This is the very definition of a meta, right? But what do you think happens? Of course, there's death threats. More than death threats, there are people coming after them. Now, the family is not shy about knowing what to do with guns, right? They have a lot of guns themselves because the dad, as he says in the film, I came out of the killing fields. I am not going to let that happen again. Interestingly enough for me as as a filmmaker, just having made a film about this kind of subject in the United States, W.E.B. Du Bois arms himself in in uh, the early part of the century with a shotgun when there's a riot in Atlanta and says, if anybody comes on my property, I'm going to blow them to bits. And here I see this Cambodian man in 2020 saying the same thing. And the filmmaker has almost caused it. And that's in his own film. So the film folds in on itself. The, the, there's, a, there's a star in this, which is his sister, um, who decides that she cannot take it. She cannot be silent. And she confronts the, the young men in town who are armed to the teeth with AK-47s, AR-15s, and she goes up to them and calls them little Nazis, little chicken cowardly Nazis. Well, of course, these are the very people who are starting to threaten them. So this is a beautifully made film. It's a portrait of a family trying to run a restaurant, immigrants trying to survive in America, up a up against white nationalists in their own town in Michigan, where the people who have threatened Mich- uh, uh, Governor Whitmer, um, Gretchen Whitmer, have yeah, just two been, of whom were just just right. sentenced a long, long time in jail, years in jail for the very kind of acts that you see in this film. So this is a, it's a, it's a fun actually I shouldn't say a fun film, but it holds your attention. It's lively. The characters are wonderful. And it's one of those films where at the end there are title cards which tell you what happened to each person, what happened to their lives, because you get to know them, know them some well. A title card? That is that, that's that, like that's a, the you epilogue? Know, words on, words on you know, like the epilogue, but I would say a title card is words on screen. A lot of filmmakers, instead of having narration, uh, will put the words on the screen. It, uh, it avoids the expense of a narration and the interruption of a narrator. Uh, uh, frequently at the end of a film, you will see... Uh, the, the obituaries or epilogue or what has happened to the characters. And that only happens in a documentary if you care about the characters. And here, by the end of the film, you really want to know what happened to all these young people, what's going on with their families. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, personal film that is extremely relevant to what's happening all over the country, but it gives you a portrait also of a town with a strange name, Bad Axe. <laughs> can be, can be, A-X-E. A-X-E, can be, but it can be thought of in two different ways. The axe is, is, I don't know why the town is called Bad Axe. Maybe somebody had an axe that broke one day, or it's Axe, A-C-T-S, the bad axe of the people in the community. Raises for me what you've said, Larry, this really interesting question. What happens when it's not just the right-wing zealots who have weapons, but some progressives well, do this also? Is, this is a question about how do you defend yourself and what do you do? I mentioned this in an earlier program for uh, when we talked about Four Winters, the partisan film, uh, what happens when you're up against the fascists and the Nazis? What's happened to your ideals, your non, non-violent philosophy, when you have no choice but to defend yourselves? Where can we see this film? It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah, a lot of the films that have, uh, are up uh, for Academy are, awards are on Amazon Prime or Netflix now. Easy to find them. 
Uh, and if you, you can't find them, they're usually available for three ninety nine or something like that. Just type it in your Google search and they'll come up. This has been Cool Films with Larry Hot. We'll be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Business West. The vital business news in Western Mass is in Business West. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Hello, this is Shonda Richardson, Senior Vice President and Operations Officer at Greenfield Savings Bank. When you switch to banking locally at GSB, you're choosing a bank that has been serving the needs of local residents, businesses, and communities for more than 150 years. We offer a whole host of services and benefits without the fees you get at a big bank. You'll love GSB's free checking with free online banking and free GSB mobile app, which lets you deposit checks from your mobile device. Plus, GSB Online Banking and the mobile app come with the Credit Center, which includes credit scores and credit reports, all for free. And the mobile app also lets you control your GSB debit card remotely from your mobile device. You can open your account online or at any of our offices. Switch to free and local at GSB today and find out how great banking locally can be. Greenfield Savings Bank. GreenfieldSavings.com. Member FDIC, member DIF. Mobile carrier charges may apply. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. The Northampton Community Music Center provides quality, accessible music education to more than a thousand members of the greater Northampton community. Hi, this is Jason Trotta, Executive Director of the Northampton Community Music Center. Our scholarship fund helps those with limited means access affordable music instruction and has never turned away a qualifying applicant in its 33 years of existence. To find out how you can help, please visit our website at ncmc.net. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. During the break, we continued our conversation with Larry Hott, our segment, Cool Films with Larry Hott, because he has another film he wants to bring to your attention for this long holiday weekend. Larry. Take a deep breath. I want to talk about a film called All That Breathes. This film. <laughs> the bad puns are free and, and a bonus on the show. Thank you, Larry. All That Breathes. Boy, this is an amazing film. I was stunned by it. This is a film that takes place in New Delhi. India. It's about two brothers, and these guys one run a foundation called uh, World, let's say, Wild Bird Rescue. Now that in in your head you think foundation, two brothers running a foundation. All right, it's in the basement next to the garage of their house that barely has electricity running more than two hours a day. Where on the rooftop of this building they built some cages where these kites, K I T E S, these birds. Um, are literally falling from the sky because of the pollution in New Delhi. It is the most polluted city in India and one of the most polluted countries in the world. The opening of this film, it opens on the streets with the rats running in every direction. And the idea behind this shot is the ecosystem of the city, that the rats are essential food for the birds. And the birds have adapted to this urban life, the, the pollution, the devastation that is happening in this Indian city. And these two brothers are completely dedicated to saving these birds. 
this film, I, we can't play a clip because it's um, not in English and the, the trailer is subtitled, so look up All That Breathes. It's one of the films that are on the short list for an Academy nomination, one of the 15 films. The cinematography is so unique. It's so considered. It's so well lit under conditions where you might not be able to breathe yourself because of the pollution. And seeing these brothers, the dedication that they have to saving these birds. This, I think the, the signature scene in this film is when one of these brothers, and they're in their 20s, early 30s, he's on the roof of his building and a kite flies by and grabs his glasses. His, his glasses. Again, a he, kite is the name of the bird. Kind of a bird. A kind of a, it's kind of a scavenger bird. It's a large bird. It looks like a, um, a large hawk. Oh, it's, it's a different shape, but it's about that size. And it grabs his glasses and flies off. He needs these glasses to see, not, not just reading glasses, right? And he starts screaming, it took my glasses, it took my glasses. Throughout the rest of the film, which is two hours, every once in a while he says, I just can't believe that that bird took my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, we're trying to help. You know? <laughs> How can I help you if you took my glasses, you dumb bird? <laughs> right? <laughs> they have birds, there's birds all over the house. They have them in crates. Their crates are falling over. Everybody in the family is helping taking care of these birds. And these guys, they have only have a couple hours that they have electricity to work on their computers to apply for their grants. And they are, they, they have building cages constantly. They're watering the birds. They're feeding them. They're holding the birds in their laps as if they were babies, right? They're doing all the other things you have to do to get by in life, you know, doing the laundry, the dishes, feeding their other children. <laughs> with a bird in their hand. And it's worth, I don't know how much. In a bush. I'm not going to make that point. So I was reading up on this on this film and this, on these two brothers, and the I, I don't think I've ever read such gushing reviews. Um, partly it's because it's an emotional story. And you know, the animals always steal the scene. But unlike a lot of films like this, there's not any one bird that you get to know. They don't anthropomorphize a bird. They don't name any birds. It's the dedication. So they don't turn them into pets or try to. No, do that. no. That's in fact, it's the opposite. They want to release them into the wild. They're constantly. But the wild is the city. Yes, and that's the point. The point is that the wild has become the city. The city has become wild. The there's an ecosystem there, and the rats and the birds and the garbage are all part of it. And they and the humans are part of it too. There's a shot from outside their window looking out at the street when it's raining, and there's cows and goats walking down the street, the sewage in the street, and then the shot goes inside, and the water has poured into the laboratory where they're working. The laboratory, I'm saying in quotes, you know, where they have their lab table set up next to their cars and their motorcycles and everything else they have to get around in the city. So these people are living in the midst of it. Um, the refrigerator's going on and all. How much power do they have? Can they keep the birds alive? Can they keep the food alive? All of it is a struggle. At the same time, they're trying to get into American universities so they can get science degrees, so they can further their work. They, they obviously care about their families. And another thing that's happening in the background, they're Muslims in India. And I don't know if you're following what's going on in, in India, but they are not being treated well by the government, uh, the nationalist government. And so they're going to protest at the same time that they're trying to keep their head above water, sometimes literally <laughs> above water because the water is pouring into their house. The film is called All That Breathes, and it's also on Netflix. Uh, well worth it. It's, it's something that once I started watching it, I thought, well, you know, is this going to be slow, kind of hard to watch for two hours? Not for a second was I bored. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. All That Breathes and Bad Acts. Yep, two strong recommendations from your local Emmy Award-winning filmmaker. <laughs> and modest. You're modest <laughs> Emmy Award-winning filmmaker. Larry, thanks so much. Thanks, Bill. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Baker administration announced yesterday the latest round of grant funding, helping cities and towns to reduce the amount of diesel fuel emissions. And one local school system is using that money to make its transportation system a little more green. Amherst Public Schools will receive nearly $200,000 to acquire one electric school bus and charger. The goal of the grant money is to reduce tailpipe emissions in the state. Another pedestrian accident, this time in Westfield last night. The accident was at 34 Franklin Street. 
Westfield police say a pedestrian dressed in black was hit by a truck, but is expected to be okay after suffering only minor injuries. A grant of $121,000 from the United States Citizenship and Immigration Service has been awarded to the Jones Library's ESL Center to provide beginning-level ESL and citizenship instruction to older immigrants. USCIS awarded 12 innovation grants to organizations across the country that encourage civic, linguistic, and cultural integration of immigrants and prepare immigrants for naturalization. East Hampton's Community Emergency Response Team is looking for new members. CERT is a group of volunteers that have been trained to support first responders at the site of a disaster and can offer immediate assistance to victims. Members receive training on disaster preparedness for hazards that may impact their area and basic disaster response skills. To be eligible for CERT, new members must be over the age of 18 and pass a criminal offender record information check. New member training sessions will begin in January. For those interested, email EastHamptonOnCERT at gmail.com. Not as cold this morning with temperatures in the 20s. We'll be warming into the mid to upper 40s with mostly sunny skies. Partly cloudy tonight with lows in the upper 20s to low 30s. I'm Nick Oresco on 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. Estados Unidos anunció el miércoles nuevos requisitos de prueba de COVID-19 para todos los viajeros de China, uniéndose a otras naciones que imponen restricciones debido a un aumento de infecciones. El aumento de casos en China sigue al retroceso de los estrictos controles antivirus de la nación. Los nuevos requisitos de Estados Unidos, que comienzan el 5 de enero, se aplican a los viajeros independientemente de su nacionalidad y estado de vacunación. A algunos científicos les preocupa que el aumento de COVID-19 en China pueda desencadenar una nueva variante de coronavirus en el mundo que puede o no ser similar a las que circulan ahora. Eso es porque cada infección es otra oportunidad para que el virus mute. Según las nuevas reglas, los viajeros a Estados Unidos desde China, Hong Kong y Macao deberán realizar una prueba de COVID-19 no más de dos días antes del viaje y dar negativo antes de abordar su vuelo. La prueba se aplica a cualquier persona mayor de dos años, incluidos los ciudadanos estadounidenses. En otras informaciones, la ciudad de Holyoke anunció el miércoles que celebrará First Night Junior, la cual será una fiesta diurna de Nochevieja para niños, jóvenes y sus familias, y se llevará a cabo el sábado 31 de diciembre en Holyoke Heritage State Park de 10 de la mañana a 1 de la tarde. Este evento es organizado por el Holyoke Merry-Go-Round, el Museo de los Niños en Holyoke y el Departamento de Conservación y Recreación de Massachusetts, con el apoyo del Departamento de Parques y Recreación de Holyoke. First Night Junior incluirá paseos ilimitados en el carrusel, entrada al Museo de los Niños y entretenimiento en vivo. Las festividades concluirán con el descenso de la bola que simboliza la llegada del Año Nuevo a las 12 y 50 de la tarde. Yo soy Johan Rashivega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We welcome back to our studio two of our favorite people, Peter Blanchett, arch guitarist extraordinaire who will be performing at Sage Hall at, at first night, on first night, at 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock. Two shows from Peter Blanchett, Lucky Us, here in Northampton. We also have with us in the studio Steve Sanderson, who is the events producer of the Northampton Arts Council, which brings us first night. I have a remedial question. Maybe it's kind of a dumb one, Steve, but I'd like to know how you put together this event. It is an amazing event. What goes into it? Into it? How long does it take? Who's involved? How does it work? Oh, Bill, really? First question? Wow. Uh, well, good morning to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, Steve Sanderson is now looks exhausted, so we're not sure we get this answer. But really, I'd be interested to know. It's not like this thing takes a, a big bite out of my soul or anything every year, but uh, it might. Um, so first and foremost, uh, in order to do this, you need to have a great community and a great team of people around you, which we do at the Arts Council with Peter and Brian, uh, sponsors, you know, it's impossible to do without a team because it's 22 venues. The whole city has to come together and cooperate to pull this off. Uh, and then it's 
you know, a hundred performances. So how many artists is that? You know, a hundred performances over the course of well, the last day, the first night. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it kicks off at noon, and we wrap it up in the street at you know twelve thirty. So it, it's all day long. So you know, between coordinating, uh, obviously, well. Look, let's look at this. Bumps in the road over the last few years since the Arts Council's taken over. COVID, you know, we had a pandemic. We had to shut down and figure out how to still provide a first night uh, without venues and without audiences. So, uh, yeah, there's been some bumps. And, I mean, this is a Northampton tradition that's been going on since 1985. And we're standing on the shoulders of giants like Penny Burke, who pretty much made this you know, festival what it is. So what year is this for first night in Northampton? Uh, what, can you do the math? 1985 to... <laughs> a lot, we're going to go you with know? a lot of years. <laughs> and do you, do you know anything about what was the first impetus or how this came about? All I know is that there was an old guard of amazing art superheroes in like Penny Burke and Bob Silman that really pulled together a lot of amazing infrastructure, arts infrastructure in this city. And we're honored to carry it on. Can you tell me what it takes to put together 22 venues, which means 22 <laughs> organizations, not to mention the five acts on average per venue? I don't, I have a hard time grasping how that comes together. We're lucky that all these venues love this city and love this event because, uh, you know, Edwards Church, First Church Sanctuary, Lyman Hall, Christian Science Society, the Parlor Room, you know, the Northampton Senior Center, uh, 33 Holly, the workroom, the flex space, Eli's room, uh, even uh, local landlords, 164 Main Street, the former birdhouse space is a venue yeah. this year with those amazing windows. Mm. Uh, downtown Sounds, psyched out of my mind to have Downtown Sounds in the fold. They have a stage in that incredible window. Uh, I had this vision where I wanted something in every window downtown. I wanted people that were just walking down the street to be able to see something happening in every window and, and get intrigued and want to go in and see what was going on. So having downtown sounds with a stage in the window is beautiful. But yeah, everybody has to want to do it. And everybody loves Northampton and loves being a part of this arts community. And when you look at this schedule, it, I guess I want to go back one sec. Is this the first first night uh, post COVID? Yeah, this is live and in person. This is the first one in in uh, two years. The last two years, we did not have an audience. The first uh, two years ago, we tried to. We knew we were canceled early, you know, and so we got as many artists as we could together and did a twelve hour stream with the help of Northampton Open Media. And we pre-recorded as much as we could, and then we beamed into certain people live, and we still had a first night. So we've never actually canceled first night. We've always done backflips to try and figure out how to present something. And then last year, uh, with the variant that came up right there at the end and pulled the rug out from under us, we just used the large room at uh, 33 Holly and brought people in and had distance and people were masked so that we could do something live. Also, like Edwards Church has a great live stream setup, so we were able to just beam live music from there. So technically last year we were live, we just didn't have audiences. We have with us in the studio today one of the most extraordinary artists and musicians I have ever met and whose music just is amazing, Peter Blanchett. He's one of a number of performers and on this lineup for First Night Northampton 2023 that is really uh, mind-blowing. Uh, you look at these names, and it makes me wonder. I mean, don't think they're all getting rich on what they get paid for First Night. Um, how do you get them? Well... I'm actually getting rich. <laughs> no, I'm not. You're the one, Peter. You're not supposed to tell everybody that on the radio. Oh, we have more breaking news this morning. Okay. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> but seriously, I, what 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 a group! I mean, you look look at these names and uh, uh, inclu including the, the Neilds uh, and Khalif Neville and uh, Peter, of course, and 
Uh, we have uh, Wallace Field that we had yesterday on the show. I mean, how do you get these people to come together on, on for this this event? Well, Bill, these people are our community. You know, I mean, and it's a a, a tribute to our community. And and if you were somebody on this schedule, wouldn't you want to be in this company? I would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to go see them all at the same time. It's kind of a problem. Um, let me ask you that, Peter Planchette, your, your, your response. I, uh, I wouldn't miss it. I love playing First Night. It's my favorite, I'm, it's my really? favorite gig that I do every year when, wow. when it's live like it is now. Not that I understand that we had to do the streaming. Everybody did. Let's not even talk about it. It's like, but... Well, we did for a couple of times. I recall well, now we did. We tried, yeah, tried just, to build it up. Oh, good. You I, can spend more time need, on your computer on New Year's Eve. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. And But playing, uh, I've been lucky to play at the beautiful recital hall at Sage Hall, Sage hall Sweeney yeah. Hall there. And I mean, that place sounds like Carnegie Hall. And when I look out, I see like... The whole I see Northampton people I people who in whose restaurants I eat people who are friends of mine people who are friends of friends all kinds of people uh, who played I've I've made friendships like the last time I played live uh, I, uh, there I played with Lord Russ uh, and uh, and my my duo partner Manela Regla and and Quaverly Rothenberg playing the cello and we did some David Bowie songs I've I, I've I've been able to have like such a homecoming, fun performance in a place that just sounds beautiful. The light is magic there. I have so many good memories of playing in it, at first night. And, and I, I can tell you one thing. I grew up in Boston. I remember we had first night when I was a kid in the, in the I think it started, at, well, what we called first night in the late 70s in Boston. And I, rem I remember the complaints. It's not the first night. It's the last night. It's <laughs> right. the first night. This is all very confusing. But it, I remember that, too. And I remember also a lot of the – I played at one in Boston uh, when, I, when I was a kid, really. Uh, and it was out – they told me, uh, we're, we're going to have you play at Symphony Hall, kid. And I was like, oh, that's great. And I played on the steps. <laughs> <of> Symphony Hall. <laughs> 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 on, on January 31st, like 1979 or something. December 31st. December 30. I'm sorry, December 30. And it was, I mean, it was like, it was like Cold. seven degrees. <laughs> but I did it, man. I did it. But when I, when I started to come to Western Mass years later and, and it was happening here, I mean, it doesn't happen everywhere. It, you, so I don't take it for granted. I mean, I, I want people in Northampton to take it for granted. And I'm, I know Steve does too. Like we have to let people take it for granted. And, all, and, and Northampton is so lively in, in, you know, throughout the year, it's where people come all the time to hang out, hear music, eat food, socialize and everything. And then the winter comes and it's not so easy to do that. And first night, I think a big reason it's so beloved is because it's a place where everybody, oh yeah, you're still Okay, there you are. We're all out. We're enjoying music, and I'm gonna go see a friend of mine's kid uh, dance at you know at the Academy of Music at 3 p.m. And I'll I'll go and see. I don't know what band I'll go see afterwards, but you know I'll I'll see other people. And it's like I mean, we're so lucky to have it, man. I, and we and the musicians feel the same way. We want to play there. The performers want to be there, and we just want we just want to see. Uh, our our neighbors and their visiting family come out and hear us play and the people that run the venues and donate the venues and contribute that way like i'm really grateful to them for doing it it makes a, a beautiful event you know two of the traditions of first night that i really love one is the fireworks because it's yes. a really good fireworks yeah. display it yeah. is and the other is the globe rising. I mean, I understand it's derivative of the ball falling in, New in Times Square, but here in Northampton, for midnight, the earth, the earth <laughs> rises. It's I mean, a tradition. It, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. such a good yeah. statement. Peter Ranchette, you are famous as an arch guitarist. Uh, tell our listeners who don't know what the arch guitar is, you've invented it, um, what it is, and then I want to hear at least one song from you before we take okay. a break. Uh, well, the arch guitar is a guitar that I, I designed together with a, a brilliant guy named Walter Stanel, who's uh, 
uh, 79th birthday is today, uh, in Boston back uh, many years ago. And it's a guitar that's a combination of a lute and a guitar. So it has a bigger range. So I can play... And it has more strings. has 11 strings, not six strings, like, a nor- like an ordinary guitar. And it, go- and it has very beautiful high, high notes. And very beautiful, rich, low notes. So it's an, it's an instrument with an expanded range that's s- similar to, to the ancient uh, lute, which would be like the Baroque and the Renaissance, but it's a long story. Um, but uh, yeah, and so it's an instrument that I designed, and I thought it was going to be a sort of prototype, and it turned, it out, turned out being, you know, my life, basically. I've been playing it, and there's a few other people around the world who play them too. I've never been on a mission to get anyone else to do it. It's just my weird thing I do. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's, as you can see, well, if you come out to first night, you'll see my guitar. It's kind of like a Willie Nelson model arch guitar because it was made in 1981. It was the first one and it's almost got holes in it. It's so old. It's almost coming unglued and everything, but it sounds so good. And I have another one, a backup one, that looks all pretty and it's nice and shiny and everything. Uh, I never play it because this one just sounds so good. So w- why would I put it down? Play for us, if you would, please, Peter. Sure. This is, uh, this is something from Shakespeare's crowd. This is called uh, Tarleton's Resurrection. It's probably, about the, the, it's probably a tribute to the clown in the court of Elizabeth upon whom uh, Yorick in Hamlet, you know, alas, poor Yurik, I knew him well, the, the clown. It's probably who that character was based on. So it's a memorial to him. That you wrote? That, no, that John Dowland wrote. Oh, okay. Uh, the great Elizabethan lutenist. Oh, I see. Shakespeare's okay. times. Thank so you. Talton's Resurrection. It's a little phrase from... Makes me from, want to cry. Good. Good, man. That's, <laughs> that, that's what we're going for here. <laughs> really super moving. It, it, it was so clear. It sounded like a recording, like you had done it in the studio. <laughs> I, I have a question about your arch guitar. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Willie Nelson, and everybody knows. Well, maybe everybody doesn't know. Trivia question. What is the name, without looking it up, of Willie Nelson's guitar? I think I know. I, I'm i going to say, oh, yes, of course, after you give me the answer, Peter Blanchett, but I... What do you think it is, Peter? Isn't it Trigger? It is Trigger. <laughs> you win. <laughs> did after, you? after Roy Rogers' horse? Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's trusty it is. steed, yeah. you know. It's like, oh, man, yeah. Does the arch guitar have a name? Does this one have a name? Yes. What is it? What you is can it? see it. The guy who oh. built it had such a great sense of humor because I was a kid who played rock and roll when he met me. And I came to him and said, I want this guitar for playing Bach. And I said, I need it to be built really strong because I play in the subway and the street and stuff. And it needs to be strong. Look what he named it. Rock Steady. (laughs) (laughs) He built this thing. He goes, I built it more like a guitar case than a guitar. So we'll call it Rock Steady. Right on. Right on. Peter Blanchett will be performing at Sage Hall on first night. Two shows, one at 7, one at 8 o'clock. We'll be back with more with Peter Blanchett and Steve Sanderson right after this. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. So this is Massachusetts way of saying, we think it's an important program. We think it's important enough to continue for students and their families. And we're going to put the money up front to make sure it continues so that if the federal government does not renew it, 
Massachusetts will still have universal school meals. 1015-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. To play this game, you've got to be as sharp as a blade, as quick as a one-timer, as tough as plexiglass. Oh, and having a solid dental plan, that's probably a good idea, too. Hit the ice all season long right here on the UMass Sports Network. 1015-1400-1240 WHMP. Corner in Florence can be a real time saver for you around the holidays. When you run out, run in. We have what you need. Cooper's is also the place to order fresh baked from scratch pies or to pick up a nice wine or fresh produce or deli party platters. Cooper's Corner, a part of the community for nearly 50 years. We're the Coopers. We're your neighbors. We treat you right. Main and Chestnut Streets, Route 9, Florence. Open every day of the year. And in Northampton, State Street Fruit Store, Deli Wines and Spirits has what you need for the holidays and all year long. Open seven the State Street Deli has the cheese you want for holiday entertainment like genuine Italian Parmesan, free with herbs, Morbier, French Saint Andre, and award-winning domestic cheese such as Vermont cheddar, Maytag blue, and goat cheese. You'll also find at State Street a great selection of cold cuts and pâtés, and we create the best deli platters and fruit baskets. State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines and Spirits in Northampton, open till 9 every day. Hi, this is Jessica from Fitness Together. I meet clients every day who tell me that as the number on their scale grew higher, their self-esteem dropped lower, and going to a traditional gym absolutely terrified them. Here at Fitness Together, we'll work with you one-on-one, either virtually or in one of our private suites in Amherst or Northampton. We'll help you set and reach your fitness goals, and most importantly, smile every time you look in the mirror. Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. Your self-worth is worth Fitness Together. What if there were a way to go into cancer surgery or treatment feeling more comfortable and optimistic? Recorded meditations can help. Doctors have said that it makes their job simpler. Nurses tell us their patients may go home sooner and need less pain medication. Cancer Connection creates custom meditations for people affected by cancer, and you don't even have to come in. Go to cancer-connection.org to learn more or donate today. Cancer Connection relies on local donations to make its services free of charge. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Steve Sanderson, events producer for the Northampton Arts Council and arch guitarist extraordinaire Peter Blanchett, who will be performing at and on first night at Sage Hall, 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock, two shows from Peter Blanchett. Steve Sanderson, Give us an overview of First Night Northampton, what is going on, when, and more importantly, I think at this point, where we can buy our buttons. Sure. First Night always kicks off at the beloved Academy of Music. Show Circus Studios kicks off with two shows at noon. All right, the expendable brass band leads a parade down the street. Um, It's just tradition. After. It's also the expandable brass band. It's, it's so cool. Right. Yes. Oh, okay, so cool thing about expandable brass band this year, we're going to have them on the balcony at Bishop's playing into the street <laughs> New Orleans style. <laughs> Great. So after the kickoff at the Academy, it branches out into 22 different venues. Um, and the first half of First Night Northampton is really geared towards everyone. If you have small children, it's very easy to find entertaining things and performers to do. And then, you know, by 6 o'clock when it's time for the fireworks, most mom and dads and young children are, I'll say, burnt out, ready. But that's why we kind of cap it off for the young kids with the fireworks after 6, right? You drag a kid around all day for 6 hours and then, boom, there's the fireworks and you go home and go to bed, maybe get a sitter and come back out for all the great night stuff, right? But... To get your pin, all right, we also make it very easy. You can get it online today and tomorrow at firstnightnorthampton.org, all right? So you can get a kid's pin, you can get an adult all-day pin, or you can get an adult half-day pin. And the, uh, they're on sale for $16. The adult all-day pins are on sale for $16 just through tomorrow. And then on, uh, at the end of tomorrow, on Saturday, they go up to $20. So it's really important, you know, if you want to save the money, buy the, pick the pin 
today or tomorrow. We used to call them buttons, and Brian Foote, director of the Arts Council, wants to call them pins now. So we're gonna we're all gonna call them pins, okay? Mm-hmm. I have a whole collection. I don't know how to break this to Brian. I have a whole collection of what we call buttons on this collection at home. <laughs> buttons, Brian, buttons. <laughs> but you could call them pins. Pins so if you need to. You really could. So, so you buy your pin button online, <laughs> and then you pick it up, the second floor of Thorns at First Night Northampton headquarters. Uh, and you can, you can be there at uh, 10 a.m. and pick up your buttons. And that button opens every single door, all 22 venues of First Night Northampton. All 22 venues, all 100 shows. Yeah. Wow. You know, and another thing, when Peter was talking about Sage Hall, what an amazing experience it is to see someone like Peter in Sage Hall. And thank you, Smith College, for yeah. opening back up and coming back to First Night. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I've heard Peter Blanchett play Sage Hall. It is an experience. It is just wonderful. Before we go, there are other places to buy buttons, pins. There are. Uh, the, you know, Greenfield Savings Banks, uh, Cooper's and State Street, uh, the Williamsburg Hardware Store, yeah, uh, go to Northham- firstnightnorthampton.org and just re- all your questions will be answered there. Uh, so, you know, or just buy your pin online and pick it up at Thorns Saturday morning. Peter Blanchett, you'll be playing Sage Hall. Could you give us another preview of what you might be playing for us on uh, First Night at Sage Hall? Well, it's always nice to play Bach. Uh, that's, my, that's what I love most, so I'm going to play a little Bach cello music for you. Please. You're listening to Peter Blanchett, who will be playing First Night at Sage Hall, two performances at 7 and 8 o'clock. Your First Night buttons, pins, are now available at many, many locations across Northampton and Greenfield and Amherst and Hadley and South Hadley. It's going to be an amazing celebration of our city and our community. We'll see you at First Night. Peter Blanchett, thank you so very much. Steve Sanderson, always a pleasure to have you with us. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Hello, everyone. Gordon Oliver here. So let's face it, our day-to-day lives always involve money, right? For many of us, money is always top of mind. But here at the Cambridge Connection, we want to help you reverse that trend. Every Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. here on WHMP, my co-pilot, Tina Marie, and I bring you a variety of amazing experts who can help you navigate that daily financial maze of life and guide you to a better relationship with your money. Did you know that your eyes reveal vital health history? Join iridologist Sunshine Beeson for an eye-opening conversation. Here's a slice of advice about pizza boxes. It's okay to recycle the entire pizza box as long as it's empty. For a long time, creasy boxes were assumed to cause recycling problems. From Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station. 